This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for the Clang Valley's biggest conversation. Talk back on the evening edition. Only on BFM 89.9. It's Talk Back. I'm Ezra and he's not Caroline. He's Uma Pagan Abike Pagan That's stepping right. in for Caroline O. Oh, uh, Talk Back begins now. The number to call is 0377109000. First, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp or text us at 018-789-8899. Now, this month marks the 20th anniversary of the 1997 Asian financial crisis and as we know, it was a crisis that took down currencies, stock markets, regionally there was government upheaval, ultimately throwing Asia into a deep recession. Yeah, over here in Malaysia, it was pretty dramatic as well. We were going through both economic and political turmoil at the same time. The stock market, ringgit, property market nearly collapsed. And of course, all of this was happening while Anwar Ibrahim was being expelled from UMNO. Yeah, it was a pretty dramatic and pretty awful time. Uh, businesses were shuddering left and right and it triggered anxiety about how bleak and uncertain the future looked not just for our country no. but of our livelihoods and the prospects uh, of our kids so uh, you know 20 years it's been 20 years it's we've uh, survived we've somewhat rebounded mm-hmm. uh, but essentially we want to hear about what happened to you uh, all those 20 years ago how did the financial crisis impact you personally financially and how did you deal with it so yeah. go on and call us on talkback and tell us how you were affected by the financial crisis of 1997 once again the telephone number is 0377109000 you can text or whatsapp us at 0187898899 or also tweet us at bfm radio and you know i'm trying to sort of recall back uh, some of my memories from 97, 98. And yeah. uh, of course, you know, I was a teenager at the time. And I'm trying to think about some of the key moments as to how the financial crisis impacted my environment. Uh, I knew that at least in 97, my brother had just started um, his first year studying overseas. And there were uh, some considerations that I would go along. But uh, as a result of this financial crisis, I actually made, uh, you know, my parents think twice, triple times about, you know, maybe my brother should come back. Should I even go? in the same year maybe we'll just postpone that to an, to the next year and I wasn't alone in that regard oh, um, no, that there I were mean, so many families who were affected in such similar ways yeah in, in 97 I was just about to go uh, I just finished uh, the SPM my SPM year I was about to go to university and I think one of the direct impact or implications of the financial crisis was that I had changed my plans and decided to go close at home. So somewhere slightly more affordable, namely yeah. Australia, as mm-hmm. opposed to the United States or the UK. Now, if you remember, Ezra, the uh, US dollar was one ringgit, uh, one US dollar to 2.5 ringgit at the time. Oh, crazy days. And yeah. then the, the British pound was 3.5 uh, to the <sighs> ringgit. And, 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 and don't even get me started on the Singapore dollar, as in where, when it was, you know, then and where it is now, uh, a lot has changed. And overnight, uh, the currency collapsed and, you know, the US dollar was hovering. I think it hit almost five. The yeah. British pound hit oh, seven. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And, uh, and of course, uh, call us at 0377109000. We want to hear your stories. What was it like uh, 20 years ago? Um, how did that impact you? Um, and how difficult was it for you to... To almost restart your business and restart your life, uh, call us at 
15,000. Now, our first caller of the day is actually the big boss of uh, BFM. Our boss himself. Uh, Malik, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, tell us, uh, how did the Asian financial crisis affect you personally? Yep. So, 1997 Asian financial crisis, I was starting my first business. It was a newspaper classified business. The idea was to you know, get classified advertising, which at the time was going to the normal traditional newspapers, to a very specialist magazine or a specialist newspaper that offers this. This business is very dependent on you know, the property market being buoyant, the car market being buoyant. And guess what happened during the 1997 financial crisis? These markets just completely crashed. There was absolutely no transactions in the property market. There was no transactions in the car market. Um, and people weren't hiring anyway. So in terms of recruitment, there were no job classifieds either. I remember the businessman just being shot to pieces because we were expecting maybe 30 or 40 pages of classified advertising that went down to just pre- pretty much less than half a page. And so as you can tell, unfortunately, it was too late. We had already bought the equipment. You know, we bought the paper to print out this classified newspaper and there was no turning back. So we tried it. We tried it for one year, but it was rough because... There was absolutely no demand from advertisers to advertising this newspaper. So how did the Asian financial crisis uh, impacted me? The short answer is it almost bankrupted me. Wow. That was how severe the impact Asian financial crisis. Uh, all right, Boston, could you tell us about what the mood was like? I mean, how did you feel? Um, I've never experienced a mood like that ever. So we're not just talking about the economic mood, right? So people will be let go of their job. People who were in any sort of business were affected by this. The ringgit was like, you know, sort of being completely um, uh, punished by the markets, much more so than what we went through right now. And to top it all off, I think during that time, we had one of the worst haze periods ever. So you wanted a bad mood. That was probably the confluence of just like all the stars were completely aligned in terms of the worst that could happen, happened. So environmentally, financially, business, the mood was just a somber mood is doesn't come close it was truly depressing Uh, Malik while going through this crisis um, I'm just wondering for yourself and perhaps others around you were you able to see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel not at all Uh, we knew that when this happened it was so severe that there was no light at the end of the tunnel it was something that we just had to go through it was in a way for at least for my generation it was you know we haven't seen something like this uh, our, our parents had seen it. I remember my parents going through this in the mid-80s. I think the stock markets crashed, uh, I think, in 1985. They went through that, but that, this was my first experience uh, of uh, experiencing it personally, uh, was 1997. Right. Uh, it's been two decades, of course, since the Asian financial crisis. Do you think this is something we'll see happening again anytime soon? Um, no. There will always be cycles. When I say no, what I mean is that I don't see it happening yet. With Malaysia's economy right now growing at 5 plus percent, it's a very different scenario. But who knows, right? You might, if ever we go into a period of uh, exuberance again, you know, where we set ourselves up for a big fall, um, that might happen in the future. I think every generation has to go through that. Um, But we're not going through it right now, that's for sure. Uh, It's so far apart from what happened in 1997. But right now, I think uh, we have a slightly different problem. Uh, The problem is death by a thousand cuts. Uh, it's not that one big fell swoop of the economy tanking or the market tanking. Uh, what I call by death by a thousand cuts is that things like long-term stuff that I worry about, meaning you know, our education system, are we producing the right kind of people that will lead Malaysia into the, uh, the economies of the future? Death by a thousand cuts is our finances, public finances. Are we setting up structurally 
for good budgets going forward, meaning balanced budgets going forward. Is our pension liabilities uh, really thought through, uh, particularly in terms of public sector pension? These are the things which on its own might not impact uh, so much, but together, if we don't keep an eye on that, I think we're, set up, we're setting, ourselves, setting ourselves up for long-term Failure. Mali, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. That was Mali Ali, the managing director of BFM Media. And, you know, uh, what a, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so sobering to hear, uh, you know, his own personal experience because to, to not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, to, to describe it, uh, to, to describe the current problem as a death by a thousand cuts. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty severe, wasn't it? That was, that was, um, what it was. It was an overnight unexpected, you know, just the year before. Uh, every, you, you, if you walk into any bookshop, you would just see dozens of books about the Asian tiger, the rise of the Asian tiger. Oh, that's tiger, right. Yeah. And all of that stuff. And that's the only thing everyone was talking about. And in many ways, it was, it felt like almost punishment for our arrogance, right? We flew cl- too close to the sun mm-hmm. and we just took a dive yeah, in and, 97. Yeah. And of course, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, the 1998 Commonwealth Games was coming oh, up uh, the yeah. year after and that, of course, we were hosting it. The Queen uh, was the, coming. The eyes of the world were, were upon us and we were going through all sorts of different considerations uh, and that's what we want to hear from you. Um, dial, dial the memory bank back uh, 20 years. Uh, call us and tell us your respective stories of how difficult it was to overcome the Asian financial crisis of 1997. Call us at 037 Seven seven one zero nine thousand. We've got a caller on the line, but we've got a quick word from our sponsors. Stay tuned to Talk Back on BFM eighty nine point nine. Get in touch right now. Call zero three double seven one zero nine thousand. Text zero one six two zero one nine thousand, or tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Talk Back on BFM eighty nine point nine. It's Uma and Ezra on Top Bank. The number to call is 0377109000. We're talking about the 1997 Asian financial crisis. This month marks the 20th anniversary. We know that it was a crisis that took down currencies, stock markets, uh, government upheaval. It was throwing Asia into a deep recession. We want to hear from you. How did the crisis impact you personally, financially, professionally? How did you deal with it? Uh, once again, the number is 037710 and now Uma, our next caller, uh, you know, we love her. She's a regular caller, and I think you love her a little bit more than I do. Uh, it's Mrs. Ampi. Mrs. Ampi, uh, thanks for calling in. Hi, 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 guys. You can, you can hear from the horse's mouth <laughs> as to how the financial crisis affected us Tell all. us, yeah. Mrs. Ampi. Actually, uh, as far as my training is concerned, they always say whenever there is a financial crisis, as a trainer, the first thing that goes is training. All organizations cut training, not realizing that during a financial crisis, you need to train your people. But we our training dried up immediately. How quickly? All, how people just rang up and said, "Cancel, cancel, 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 cancel," Oof. and that's it. And our, we were making we were making uh, nothing less than sixty, seventy thousand ringgit a month uh, on training fees alone, and we were down to five, zero, nothing. And we, in our, I didn't want to sack anyone. I didn't want to let anybody go. So we worked with one fan. We cut down our electricity. We all, we stopped using our rooms. We all gathered around one table. If somebody walked by and said that they wanted a trainer, we dragged him in and said, okay, how much can you pay? 
if he says 500 we would say okay 500 and we would give you we took individuals we did everything just to pay salaries i know i didn't take i told my partner don't pay me uh, pay the staff if there was no money there was no money it was terrible until and my talk about uh, money back guarantee still works there were some people who were still willing to pay but they cut our fees down to 1000 ringgit a day 1500 wow. we took anything that came and we gave we gave we worked we worked our butts out but the thing that affected our family was our daughter was doing medicine and the the exchange rate doubled and, and where was she doing medicine she was doing medicine in ireland and <sighs> from uh, from what we which was from 45000 ringgit for 11000 pounds was 90000 ringgit and the person wow. who suffered was uma because uma was ready to go to college we couldn't afford to send him to the us mm-hmm. to do his aerospace engineering maybe there was a bigger picture somewhere and we had <laughs> maybe <him>. maybe <laughs> but but and yeah i mean said, you know but we had we had to send him to australia but even that wasn't cheap even that wasn't cheap because the australian but, exchange rate dived as well it too but it was not bad it was not compared to what us and the sterling was so it was terrible it was really terrible we felt so sad that umar couldn't go to the us to do his uh, and uh, to do his aerospace engineering and he was sacrificed for the sake of my daughter finishing our exams and you know it was really I, terrible i still hold that over her till today <laughs> clearly <laughs> uh, mrs lampi was there anyone around you who um i guess experienced uh, the opposite of what you guys did did, did, did anyone around you or see uh, a positive effect in any way or was it just all negative around you i think basically well the people who were who were selling food managed i think it was cheaper but they managed i think the doctors managed because i think medicine is a little recession proof a little recession proof not mm. completely but a little recession proof people always fell ill and if you had an insurance the insurance companies had to pay so somewhere along the line i think the doctors managed but i know that um you know my husband uh, our chief earnings deputy dropped off for you know for years but uh, i don't think anyone really uh, i don't think anyone really made money yeah uh, you know you don't make money of, out of people's misery mm. and that was hard but i tell you it was hard but it was also an exciting time because it suddenly made you think that you could do with so much less you know you could you had to cut down you actually looked at you looked at brands and you looked at the price it, it would change your perception wouldn't it, it would change your perception even now i would if you are very very rich you would never think of picking up something which was expensive and you would say ah that's okay but you would uh, i would if if i was very rich i wouldn't think three times about giving it to the valet parking but now i would go and park yes and Uh, yeah and of course uh, Mrs. Ampi you know it is one of those types of uh, different uh, you know uh, considerations that you make uh, you know in, in times where we're good and in times of bad you you start making different types of decisions yeah you don't go you don't have to go to extremely bad times either i mean look at today 
Yeah. Uh, with the cost of living and the price of goods, even with our current exchange rate, it's not great. And we make these decisions every day. When we walk into a supermarket, we maybe wouldn't think twice uh, two years ago mm-hmm. to buy a box of Kellogg's cornflakes. Yeah. Now that has doubled in price as well. It's like 40 ringgit a box. And you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to settle for the no brand cornflakes. <laughs> Mrs. Ampi, thank you very much for calling in and sharing uh, your story. We're going to move on to our next caller. The number to call, once again, is 0377109000. You can WhatsApp us at 018789. Double eight double nine. Of course, tweet us at BFM Radio. Our next caller is Venny. Hi, Venny. Hi, Ezra. Hi, Uma. Hello. Tell us your story. Oh, mine is not so sober. In fact, it's pretty good. I got my independence, <laughs> meaning um, because being an being an architect, you that's the first deal they get every time affected badly. Yeah. So I was in Penang, and my boss got me shifted here for two months. Um, to KL, meaning to, you know, to... Otherwise, she couldn't keep all the stuff there. And I came here, and that two months actually earned me my independence. My father never have, would have allowed me to come to KL otherwise. And I've stayed on since. It's been 20 years. So, yeah, <laughs> mine is not such a bad thing. It was, you know, I don't remember. I remember, you know, if I remember it back, it, it's about getting my independence and finally moving out of my family's home. So, yeah. What, what, what did you... Uh, what, what did you... <laughs> Did you at least sense that, um, you know, in that moment that, that there was a, a somber mood around you? Or for you, it was just oh s- clear skies? Yeah, but, but Vaini, you had independence but no money, lah. Ah, yeah, kind of. But then again, I never needed much to go along, so I'm one of those. <laughs> so, okay, I was okay. I came here, but we were given lodging free for the first two months. And she asked if I wanted to stay on, and I enjoyed it too much being on my own. I figured, okay, what the heck, you know. But after that, I thought I needed to rent, and that's when it, the pinch came in. So I kind of felt it, but, you know, it was totally it. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and Vinny, of course, you know, we're celebrating, I guess, the 20th anniversary of the Asian uh, financial crisis. Maybe not I, celebrating. Not celebrating. Commemorating. Maybe, commemorating is probably the right word. But, you know, given how we're in 2017, how do you feel uh, the, the economy is doing now? Are you optimistic? Um, um, you know, with cost of living and a whole host of other things going up, um, how are you managing it? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm normally I'm a very um, optimistic person anyway. So it doesn't really, whatever bad comes away, I keep telling myself someone else has worse so you know that sort of helps me move forward so it didn't hit me like i said i can i go with the flow if it's bad i know how to tone down i do not to you know what not to do so it's never really affected me money um i've never had much so I'm not, and i've always managed well with whatever i have so yeah it doesn't it doesn't i'm one of those i guess lucky in that sense Thank you very much for calling in, Vinny. I mean, that's very nice. You know, two callers in. Uh, we had somebody who, uh, I guess, found a, a different way to, to experience 1997, and certainly she got her independence in, uh, in, in that year. Yeah, we, we got a message from a listener. It's a, it's a rather sad story. Um, he says his father lost his job as a salesman, couldn't afford mortgage, and had to borrow from loan sharks to sustain daily life. A loaf of bread would sustain a family of five for three days, where my parents sometimes skip meals. Uh, luxury food food was rice with egg or prawn crackers. Eventually, we lost our home and had to move out. However, my late father was a fighter and took him around eight years to stabilize his income as a self-employed person in the end. Uh, he says he was only five, but he remembers these as if it was as clearly as it were yesterday. Well, there you go. Uh, it's been 20 years since the Asian financial crisis. We want to hear your stories. What happened in those 20 years? How did the financial crisis impact you personally, financially, professionally? We want to hear how you
you dealt with it. Hopefully there are some lessons uh, for us, um, you know, in, in today's context as well. Albeit it's not as bad, but there are different sort of considerations, considerations yeah. uh, at play. Moving on to our next caller, if you want to call in at 0377109000, you can do so on Talkback. Uh, May is on the line. Hi, May. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So tell us, May, how did it affect you? Um, okay, um, at that time I was working um, in an insurance loss adjusting company where we represent insurance companies wow. to, adjust, Whoa. to adjust claims. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't feel any impact because we were still getting our bonuses and increments, even though we heard about uh, many people, friends and people, uh, you know, uh, that we know um, getting pay cuts or losing their jobs. Um, I, I guess uh, our industry, at, I mean, at the time at least, we were insulated from from what was um, going on because claims were still coming in, uh, you know, um, to the insurance company, mm. uh, our clients who, are, who were our clients, and uh, claims were still um, coming in and... Um, like, for example, uh, burglary claims, you know, uh, right. fire, um, uh, uh, staff, you know, misappropriating money. I guess even uh, during those times when, uh, you know, economy wasn't doing uh, well, you, you get you tend to get more of those claims. So we, we were seeing more uh, cases coming in. And, and May, um, wh- what about you personally and your and your family and those around you? Um, I think uh, at that time my brother was still studying so um, and locally he was studying locally so we didn't feel the impact very much okay yeah I, I think that would I think that would be the biggest impact right for a lot of people who are who are actually had children who are studying overseas yeah. you know we got to remember like in the 90s there was a um, that was the thing to do, I mean, because the currency was so good, Malaysia was doing so well economically, you know, sending your kid overseas, if you were of a middle class background, uh, wasn't something that was too hard to do. In yeah. today's day and age, you can be classified as middle class and still not be anywhere close to afford the, uh, to be able to afford to send your kid overseas. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, <clears throat> you know, when, when we talk about uh, the Asian financial crisis, we're talking about, you know, in the context of Malaysia, but regionally as well. I mean, Thailand, um, oh. as an example. It in, was, and Indonesia. Yeah, just hit uh, in, in, in such big ways. And as a result, you could see <clears throat> the effects towards the political and, and social structures in those countries as well. And of course, they took very different approaches to Malaysia, a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Tun Dr. Mahade came to speak at the uh, Kuala Lumpur Festival uh, on his most dangerous idea. Yeah. And he said at the time that his most dangerous idea was to not accept IMF help uh, for Malaysia and to peg the ringgit against the dollar, which everyone called stupid yeah. at the time. And yeah. it turned out to be probably the smartest thing. Yeah, folks, uh, it's top back. We're asking you whether you were affected by the financial crisis of 1997. This month marks the 20th anniversary of that. Uh, we know that it was such a crisis that took down currency, stock markets. Uh, there was government upheaval. We want to hear your stories. What happened in those 20 years? How did the financial crisis impact you personally, financially, and professionally? The number to call is 03. 03- 377109000 tweet us at bfm radio and you can whatsapp us at 018-789-8899 now i know we've got a few callers um, waiting on the line right now but the 6:30 news with Azlin Balkis will be coming up right after this stay tuned to bfm 89.9 
Hey, you. Yes, you. You you in the car. Yes, 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 you. I'm talking to you. It's time for Talkback. So, hands-free car kits at the ready? Yes? Good. Let's talk back on BFM 89.9. It's talk back with Uma and Ezra. We're commiserating. Commiserating? Commiserating. Yeah. <laughs> Commemorating the 20th anniversary of the Asian financial crisis. This month marks the 20th anniversary. And, of course, things here in Malaysia were pretty dramatic. We were going through both economic and political turmoil at the same time. Uh, the stock market, the ringgit, and the property market nearly collapsed. Uh, we want to hear uh, how you guys dealt with it. We want to hear your stories. How did the financial crisis impact you? The number to call is 0377109000. Uh, WhatsApp us at 018789 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Right, a message from a listener uh, in the 1970 AFC Asian financial crisis. I had to take up two jobs in Australia to supplement tuition and living expenses. Meanwhile, some of my mates had to stop their courses altogether. Uh, that's a that's a pretty uh, standard, I guess, story that we're hearing from a lot of people. Uh, another listener says all the stock prices were at rock bo- rock bottom, but I had no guts to invest at the time. Fear ruled my life at the moment. Now, moving on to our next caller, Melvin has been holding the line very patiently. Now, Melvin, thanks uh, for calling in, and I understand that you went to you went overseas to study, but uh, due to the circumstances, you had to come back. Melvin, are you there? Melvin, are you there? Unfortunately, Melvin's not there. Do try call us back at zero three seven seven one zero nine thousand. We're moving on to our next caller. Ayman is on the line. Arman is on the line. Sorry, uh, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for calling in. Uh, tell us your story. Well, I'm I'm fifty five and I'm I, I was in the stockbroking industry. Oh, okay. For a long time, wow. for about twenty five years, and. Uh, and uh, 1997 was one wonderful year. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, we made a lot of money. Oh, tell us more. Uh, yeah, because when people sell their shares, we have brokerages to gain. Of course. Right, and that's where our income was. On top of that, we we had the you know we had wind that the markets are going to fall, so that so many other instruments are going to fall, and uh, so we shot the market. Right, and, and, yeah. so, and so, Armand, I guess you know, given that uh, you got wind of what was to come, could you make those relevant decisions in time to benefit from it? Yes, it's, it's like information that you know that all banks are getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are getting you know uh, a little, you know a little bit panicky, and naturally, there are some people who are going to make money of this. Not all, all, not everything that sounds bad is bad. You know. And did the gravy train, um, you know, continue right throughout '97 into '98, or did it sort of peter out at some point in time? Yeah, it, it went. You know, it, it quieted down after '98. You know, but it was stabilized and things like that. I'm trying to say '97 was exposed. It's fantastic. Everything's happening. You are, wow. you, are you know, you're in the market, and uh, people are crazily selling their shares, not even looking at uh, whatever prices they just sell it off. And when they sell, they gain, gain the brokerages. But before they do that, we have resold our positions first. Yeah. And what happens is that when they start selling, the prices keep on coming down. Once it comes to a certain level, we start to be myself buy back the position. Once I buy back the position, I've already done a transaction, a sell and a buy. So that's where you make your money because the prices have come down. If it goes opposite when the market is going to go up, you buy first, then you sell on a higher price. 
And Armand, I imagine, you know, with, with the conversations that you might have been having with uh, friends and relatives, they might have been asking you how you were, um, I guess, writing it out. Yeah. Well, everybody wanted to call me. My phone never stopped ringing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Armand, tell me this. After 97, when yeah. was the last time the markets were that exciting? Uh, actually, all, most of the, whenever the market falls or whenever there's an economic problem to a country, uh, uh, the stock market is the first to react. And when that happens, we, we in, as brokers, we get, you know, maybe not first-hand news, but at least second-hand news, and that's enough to, for us to act. So we make the decision whether to sell, when the market is coming down, then buy back later, or when the market is going up, we buy first and then sell it later. And, and, and both ways we make money. All right, terrific. Armand, thank you very much for calling in. And, you know, these are some real stories that yeah. that we're hearing. Um, you know, we've had a variety of callers, some with uh, positive uh, and some with negative effects of uh, the financial crisis. We're going to move on to our next caller. If you want to call in, 0377109000, we're asking you, were you affected by the 1997 Asian financial crisis? Uh, Victor is on the line. Hi, Victor. Hi, good evening. Good evening, Victor. Yeah, what I remember about 1997 is uh, I paid through my nose on uh, some of my bank installment because uh, one of the loan, I think the interest go even to this uh, 16% per annum. Which is, wow. Which is <laughs> too much. But uh, I, I think the lesson from this uh, 1997 financial crisis is don't ever believe in the this uh, the government is all powerful. I mean, government is also affected by. The second thing is, if you think now the time is bad, uh, it's good to think about worse time so that you don't feel so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why we're doing this right now. We're trying to give people a reminder of what it was like back in 97, 20 years ago. Right? Victor, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, once again, the number to call is 0377109000. We want to hear uh, your stories about how you survived the Asian financial crisis of 1997. How were you affected? Uh, our next caller is Sue. Uh, Sue, tell us, um, how did it work uh, with you and your, and your family, with your uh, job at the time? How did it affect you? Uh, at that time, the mortgage loan and also car loan, uh, the interest is very, very high. Yeah. Uh, because at that time, uh, they follow the normal economy uh, uh, plan, whereby they need to increase the interest in order to attract foreign investment or foreign money coming in. So, basically, me and my wife was actually working for a developer company. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have to move out, I have to resign from the federal company and go into healthcare because basically we cannot both stay in the same sector. If we stay at the same uh, sector, then uh, we will be in trouble. You were, tr- you were trying to hedge your bets, I guess, in, in different areas. Right. So when I joined the uh, healthcare center, I actually do not have a problem with my salary and all those things, staying on time and everything. But my wife is working for a developer company. They have pay cuts, they have low salary, sometimes two months they don't pay. Wow. Wow. So fortunately, I actually make a decision to change, and uh, the impact was not so bad. And and, and of course, um, looking back uh, at that particular time, uh, was it so? I mean, did you feel that you were always going to ride it out? That there was a light at the end of the tunnel? Did you have family and friends who were going through much more difficult times as well? 
my friends and uh, relatives also having a lot of problems. Basically, especially not being paid on time. A lot of uh, cash flow problems from companies because they find the US dollars keep going up and uh, they, they couldn't, uh, why could they also, they couldn't pay for their loan. Especially those who are having OD, a company having OD and things like that. They don't pay their stuff on time. Yeah. So that is the insecurity. Basically, I can see we all we don't we don't starve to death, okay? But basically, everybody has to tie their their uh, what call spend, uh, spending, and uh, they have to go on the very extreme saving. That means uh, not spending too much. Yeah, Sue. Thank you very much uh, for calling in, and we're moving on to our next caller. Melvin is on the line. Hi, Melvin. Hi, you can hear us now. Terrific. Uh, tell us, um, you know, you went overseas uh, to study and, and from what I understand, you had to come back. Is that right? Uh, yes, actually, I went on um, 97. So my parents had enough funds. So I went to uh, Liverpool. So um, that was 97. Then the crisis came. So um, so my parents assured me that, you know, just continue to study. And then um, I thought that something not right. So um, I decided to come back anyway because um, continue to see the pound. The time was about close to seven eight ringgit to eight a pound. Ringgit, yes. Yeah, it yeah. went up to about eight ringgit to a pound. So I came back and then I came back and then um, there I got to find out that actually my dad um, actually lost his job. <laughs> so he was oh, wow. laid off. Yeah. So but anyway, it was a good um, decision. That I came back. Um, then couldn't really continue. But thank God the time. Um, Government started to have a local private university, so I went to enroll myself um, in MMU. So continued study from there. Um, it didn't turn out too bad. That's where I actually got to meet my wife. Oh, nice! So, so, but we did better through, and it's it's um, pretty tough during those times. And I graduated back in two thousand one. Couldn't really find a job because we just really came out from the crisis. And, and did your father rebound um, professionally? Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Um, he did because he's an experienced guy in his field. So he managed to find um, another job. So uh, we, we continue on. So uh, so we considered we uh, go through it. Yeah. Melvin, thank you very much uh, for calling in and sharing <clears throat> and sharing your story with us. It, it was, it's nice that sometimes there are some there were different linings. plans, right? Yeah. yeah. Met his wife. That's a yeah. That's a great little moment. Uh, uh, I guess a great little moan of happiness to come out from uh, such tragedy, right? I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, Malaysia wasn't as hit. The, the previous caller said something interesting. We weren't starving, he yeah. said. And yeah. I think Malaysia was hit badly, but probably our neighbors, Thailand and Indonesia, were hit even worse. Yeah, and and then the, the desperation and the social desperation uh, increases a, a much a much greater yes, level as well. Yes, of course, because remember the political turmoil that happened in... I mean, we had a slight political turmoil compared yeah. to what was going on in, in Indonesia, Indonesia, right? Riots and protests in the streets. But what's interesting, of course, was, you know, we mentioned that we were coming off this extreme high. It yeah. was like Southeast Asia and Asia could do no wrong. I yeah. mean, we were all rich and prosperous and happy, and then suddenly that dive was just so much to handle. Folks, uh, it's top back. We're talking about the 20th anniversary of the Asian financial crisis. We've got another 15 minutes to go, but we'll be right back after these messages on BFM 89.9. to talk back. BFM 89.9.
It's Uma and Ezra on Top Bat. The number to call is 0377109000. Uh, as mentioned, this month marks the 20th anniversary of the 1997 Asian financial crisis. And uh, things here were pretty dramatic. We wanted to hear from you as to how you guys dealt with that particular crisis. How did it impact you and your family and your loved ones, uh, personally, professionally, uh, financially as well? Um, we have on the line right now uh, Tiam Hawk and, of course, our notes here tell us that uh, Tim, you had a cosmetic business when the crisis happened. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more? Uh, we started a cosmetic business uh, back in 96 and we were mainly importing products from France, from you know, all over the place. And that time, the exchange rate, US dollars, mostly buying US dollars or French francs. Uh, US dollar was uh, 2.5 ringgit and then the uh, contagion started from Thailand and it just went from 2.5 and a great taking speed it went up to all the way to 4.8 right in uh, six months or a year I think we were stuck because uh, those products that we brought in was on 120 days credit by the time we sell and then by the time we had to pay the bill to the bank has gone double, you know, the cost has gone double. So if you have bought and sell, uh, you have lost money. After that, we got frightened and then we stopped buying. And when you don't sell, you have nothing to sell. And um, there's no business. You also lose money. So I nearly went under, you know, had to borrow money from my partners to pay back the bank bills and stuff like that, just to stay alive. Right, so when the business wasn't going so well, um, how did you talk about it with your family? Our family is still smaller, so my wife was with me in the same business. So we were both totally aware of what's happening. Luckily, I had a financially strong partner that I could borrow money from him personally to just, you know, uh, loan it and uh, into the company and pay back the banks. The key was always the banks, uh, because you're buying products on LCs and then you bring the products in and then you pay the bank 120 days later. In the meantime, you have sold your products, right, at the, what you thought was the original cost. But then the U.S. dollar has gone up and then, you know, in four months' time, you're paying double, you know, what you're paying, 30% more, 50% more, double, that kind of stuff. So you were losing for every piece you sold, right, you would have been losing money. And then I see at the... I can't remember. I was uh, I had 38 staff, mm. so nearly went under. And I guess you know, in talking uh, about your staff, did you have to have those those conversations with them on how poorly the business was doing? Uh, that couldn't have been easy. I think the staff generally they could see, you know, that there were hardly any sales. Right? Sometimes you don't have enough products, or you know, those days the uh, orders were coming in. Uh, Purchase orders were coming in by fax machine. So you can hear, they practically hear if there's any order coming in because the fax machine was quiet throughout the day. So the staff was totally aware of it. You know, we still pay their salaries. We did have a conversation where at that time, I think after six months or nine months, it was really bad. And then I look at it, I said, I tell the staff we have enough cash until for the next uh, three months or so. Right, if we still continue, because we went all the way to 4.8, and uh, there was this joke about Josh uh, Soros telling Mahathir, "Meet you at five. 
So I was telling the staff and even my partner, I said, by October, if we still maintain this kind of rate, I don't think we can survive. So we will cut our losses and just close down the operation and just uh, uh, retrench everybody, you know. But uh, in October, Dr. Mahathir, or at that time, uh, Dr. Mahathir, at that time, he came in with this uh, control rate of 3.8, right? He fixed the exchange rate at 3.8 yeah. US dollars. And uh, that's where we could just restart the business. Well, Tam Hock, thank you so much uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Um, Uma, you know, it, it, it reminded me about how business was done back in the day, how technology and how people communicate for I love business. the story about the fax machine. And it's the fax machines, right? You know, that, that facsimile paper, that, you, that the print on the paper was just never as satisfying as a photocopy. But also, you know something's happened when you hear the... Sound, yeah, right? and if if your business is reliant on that, and suddenly you just hear silence for you know on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and that continues, uh, morale in the office uh, certainly yeah. can change. There's no email. There's none of that stuff. And also, I mean, it's an interesting impact that that three point eight that three point eight peg had a huge yeah. impact. I mean, there's one ringgit and twenty cents less than what it could have been. And that would be a savior for a lot of businesses. And uh, even though it's been 20 years, um, you know, and we've since officially recovered, it seems that our improved economic standing has done little to offset the lethargy that uh, a lot of Malaysians are feeling. Uh, last week, there was this op-ed um, that's been shared around on social media quite a bit. It was published in the S- South China Morning Post and it was written by Karim Razlan. And he wrote about a deficit of optimism that's currently pervading the Malaysian mindset. Now, Despite the currency rebound, uh, Malaysians are struggling with rising prices, new taxes, a stuttering economy, and an unending series of political scandals, and it's making us rather unhappy. Uh, Karim joined us on the line to elaborate. Yes, the Malaysian economy has seen a lot of growth, but the growth has been extremely uneven. It's been lopsided. There are many sections of the community that haven't prospered at all from this growth. At the same time, the environmental impact of a lot of this growth has been felt by everybody, namely the negative environmental impact. And also the fact that many who've prospered are those who are politically connected, etc., means that you leave a lot of people very resentful. Now, in explaining more about this optimism deficit, uh, Karim alludes to the idea that Malaysians in the past felt that things would and could get better, but today there is a sense that this may not be the case. When it comes to optimism, we have to be frank. Back in uh, the late 1980s with Operation Lalang, that was a brutal stroke delivered by Dr. Mahathir, no less, that really undermined that sense of optimism of the 80s. Likewise, the financial crisis and the showdown between Dr. Mahathir and Anwar also had the same impact on the mood in Malaysia in the late 1990s. However, Let's be frank, there was still a sense of optimism, especially when uh, Abdullah Badawi came into power in 2003. And the sense that things would open up, the media would open up, there would be more accountability. But that, as we all know, was not to last. I think now, having lived through one, two, three kind of economic downturns and the political tensions of linked to that, people have lost that sense of optimism. At the same time, the march of the religious institutions, specifically the Islamic ones, 
and the way that they are dominating public and now private discourse and public and private lives is also getting very worrying, especially for those who are on the progressive side of the Malay-Muslim divide. And looking towards the future, Karim Razlan talked about returning to a respect for education, knowledge and professionalism. Well, I think it's all about respect for the individual. Part of the big problem of the current political discourse, of the UMNO past discourse, and let's face it, UMNO and past seem to be heading towards uh, an alliance, is that it's not about the individual. There are appeals to the Ummah, to the community, to the Malay Muslim community. So it rules out the world and the hard work of those who are talented, those who seek to do things in an ethical and proper way. The most important thing in this world and in this ethos is loyalty. Ta'at satya kabada pemimpin. And a refusal to accept differing opinions. And I think until and unless we learn to respect the many very different opinions within the broad spectrum of Malaysia, not just Malaysia, actually, the very broad spectrum of views and opinions of all Malay Muslims as well, I suspect this optimism deficit will continue. That was writer Karim Razlan, also the founder and CEO of KRA Group. And, you know, just taking into context that yeah. article and uh, reflecting on the past 20 years, especially with the Asian financial crisis, um, there is a sense of deja vu, but with a different kind of spin on the end of it as well. It seems like a standard place to be in as you progress as a society and as an economy, right? To have this optimism deficit in most developed nations in the world yeah. the public are generally pessimistic and untrustworthy of the government and authorities yeah. and i think that seems like a normal situation if only because you know in the early days of any society it's very easy to win i guess the trust of the people because you're giving them what they want oh if we don't have roads let's build some roads you right. don't have water and electricity here you go water and electricity but you know we've uh, well but, uh, with the exception of certain places in the east coast and on east malaysia mm-hmm. i would say that the general infrastructure the goals the the the, the, the big engineering, physical, tangible goals have been achieved. It's the intangible goals now that we're upset about as people. It's like, oh, you know, now we can talk about, let's talk about human rights. Let's talk about all of these other things that upset us. Freedom of religion, equality uh, of religion, all of these things. Because right? those those achievements of the hardware, uh, by and large, as you mentioned, it, it's been achieved, but there is a and, and, and disconnect also, and dissatisfaction with how it relates to, to our existing software. And right? also, it feels like you can achieve it. it. It feels like it's easier to achieve the hardware things because it requires money mm-hmm. and skill and the ability to build something with your hands, and you can do it. But the software seems like there's just too much conflict that it's it's not something that can easily be resolved. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, we've been talking about the 20th anniversary of the Asian financial crisis. Thank you very much for all your calls, texts and tweets. And of course, the evening edition continues uh, right after the seven o'clock news. Uh, I'll be speaking to Joe Siddit, the festival director uh, about the Rainforest Fringe Festival. I took a trip uh, just this past weekend. That's just to find out what was happening there. And of course, 
course, uh, it's, it's a 10-day festival that aims to uh, exhibit the indigenous culture of present-day Sarawak through local talents in music, fashion, food, and film. And, set. and of course, it, it, it leads up to the big 20th anniversary event of the Rainforest World Music Festival as That's well. Right. So after this, I'll be speaking to Joe Siddick about uh, Kuching, Sarawak, and uh, everything related to the Rainforest Fringe Festival. That's coming up after this. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.